Hello, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Anna Rutberg. And I'm Casey Muratori. And we are in a new month of movies. A brand new month. A brand new month. Leaving the baggage of a past month behind. That's right. And looking ever forwards towards the new month of movies. That's right. And our theme this month is unlikable main characters. Yes. And we're starting with Nightcrawler, which I believe is one of your favorite movies. It is. It is certainly, unless I'm like forgetting something, it is one of my favorite movies and probably my favorite movie in this category, meaning unlikable protagonist. There's a lot of good unlikable protagonist movies. It's I, a common it's a common thing, for sure. I don't think it is that common. I think it's mm, like well, I think it's uncommon, but the ratio of good ones to bad ones yeah. is <laughs> yeah. much higher. That's true. Yeah. Probably because the default is that the hero is not unlikable, right? Or right. or or at least doesn't end up unlikable. I think that's really one of the big things that differentiates these movies um and Nightcrawler in particular. Because if you look at some of the other ones, we're doing some other great unlikable protagonists. So Taxi Driver was on the list. Heathers was on the list. Both of those, the main characters... Well, spoilers! Gee, we haven't watched those yet. Sorry. All I'll say then is Nightcrawler is a rare film, very rare, about unlikable protagonists Mm -hmm. in that it never does anything to attempt to excuse... Or uh, minimize yeah. the the bad aspects of the main character. They are played straight, and they don't go, "Oh, he learns something at the end," or "He becomes a better person." Like, nope. It, yeah. it is unwavering its commitment to this is a story about a bad person. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is probably one of the best movies about a like a true sociopath. Yes. That I've ever seen because I feel like it captures so much of what those kind of people do mm-hmm. and the way that their brains work mm-hmm. where it's like everything they do is to further their own goals. And also, I love how the rest of us, like the rest of the world kind of loves the things that he puts out. Right. It's like yes. he he goes around capturing all this like absolutely horrific footage right which it takes a certain kind of person to do Mm -hmm. but the rest of us love it well i think that that is there are so many brilliant things about this movie like you said it's one of my favorite films and the reason it's one of my favorite films is it's in much the same way that i look at something that you know one of my favorite films with a heroic main character like what's eating gilbert grape which we did last time is that it it does as good a job with a sociopath story as the best stories do with non-sociopath stories. It shows us what his personality is. It shows us what his sort of mental like abnormalities are very clearly, why he would be the kind of person he is. Why would he be someone who doesn't mind filming other people's tragic events why would he be someone who's willing to like basically you know maybe not murder but like very close to murdering people for his own benefit 
Why? Because you can see right from his original interactions with people that he's lacking that sort of fundamental empathy for what, you know, in in any personal interaction, his brain just doesn't have it, right? And so it's not like when normally we see villains on film, there's not usually a very good explanation for why they're villainous. We just accept the fact that they're villainous and, you know, that's it. It's like, and when we get quote unquote backstories, you know, your Darth Vader's or whatever, it's always like, oh, it, the explanation is their childhood or what happened to them before or whatever. It's like, no, in Nightcrawler, it's not like this guy had a bad childhood. It's like what we see is who he is. And that alone makes us instantly know, OK, this guy's not going to do good things. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just fundamentally this guy's brain is broken. That's right. And I really liked that because it feels more honest. It's not making up some narrative thing that's like, well, this is why he likes to film. It's like, no, they're just like, this is a person. You probably have interacted with someone a little bit like this, maybe not as bad, but you probably get it. And you kind of know, like, all right, they're a little off. And this was a very good way of showing that. They demonstrate it perfectly and it makes the rest of the story follow naturally without needing an origin story or some other nonsense. Well, and it's so sinister the whole time. I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in this is insanely good, too. It's amazing. Because it's hard to know how well this would have worked with a different actor. Just those eyes, like what he's doing with the eyes, mm-hmm. this whole movie is insane. And the cadence. The cadence, the, the way he w- talks, yes. the way he walks, the way he moves. It's just, it's like an insanely good performance. It's it's really impressive. You'll notice some like interesting gesticulation habits too. Like yeah. he puts his hand out in this, just this way. You can see the thought process. Well, and the way he walks. Yes. Like the way he walks, the way he like runs. I feel like it's one of the most impressive performances I, I've seen like ever. It's really, really good. It is absolutely amazing. I totally agree. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen. And it is definitely, in my opinion, a, you know, the high point for Jake Gyllenhaal. I've never seen him do anything like this, probably because most of the time he doesn't really get much to do. You know, normally he's just kind of in movies. Mm -hmm. Um, He's obviously like an excellent actor, like Brokeback Mountain and stuff. Like he's had some some good. I mean, although Heath Ledger really stands out in that movie more than him, I would say. But yeah, in any case, that is exactly what I would say about that movie, too. You watch it and you're kind of like, well, all right, Jake Gyllenhaal is good in that movie, but you don't get the same feeling you get from this movie where you're like, what is happening? Where he's totally transformed into another person. And because it's a the person he's playing is so strange and an alien almost and the way he pulls that off so flawlessly it's really good it feels more like heath ledger's performance in brokeback mountain it where feel- you you watch the movie and you're just like oh my god that's just that guy like it doesn't yeah. feel like heath ledger or, you anymore, know right? in some ways it's like he feels a lot like a comic book villain in yep. a lot of ways like if you put that character just in the batman universe he is just the joker yeah. right that's like a great villain. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite films is because it it manages to create a villain in a way you actually believe. Yeah. And superhero movies don't do that. Like, like I can imagine this that Jake Gyllenhaal is a real person out there in the real yes. world doing these things. And because things like this do happen in the real world, it means that like superhero movies are, you know, they don't really help you imagine why actual bad things are happening or why people are actually doing them. You watch Nightcrawl and you're like, yeah, 
That guy, there's that guy. That guy is in the real world doing stuff like that for real. Well, and I like the way this movie, I like the way Nightcrawler kind of explores like the spectrum of our morality kind of where Mm -hmm. you have, you have the Jake Gyllenhaal character who's just like, I mean, it seems so simplistic to use a word like evil and I don't think it's a very useful word, but he's just like, he's kind of the low point of morality. Well, he's completely like the way I feel like it works in the film and he almost says this. He says, like, what if the problem is that I just don't like people, right? Mm-hmm. He's unempathetic and misanthropic yes. at the same time, meaning it's not just that he doesn't feel empathy for other people, but he also doesn't like them. Well, and he right? and he has he will use them however he wants for his own means. Well, that's just a natural consequence, right? right. You don't think of if you're, you know, going about your daily life, you don't wonder how your computer keyboard feels. Mm-hmm. Why you have no empathy for it and you don't care about what happens to it. So if you want to type something forcefully, you don't go like, "Oh, I might hurt the keyboard," right? right. And that's that's Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. Very believable in this movie is like if he has something he's trying to do, it doesn't matter like what the people need, want or feel who are around him. He's just trying to do this thing. And they are as inanimate, right, mm-hmm. as the objects that you casually, you know, eat or throw or do whatever with in daily life. They doesn't matter to you. Right. Yeah. Getting back to the spectrum thing, it's like, you know. Then you have the the newscaster people, like particularly the lady, who's like also using the pain and suffering of others for her own means, mm-hmm. right? But she's like, she still has a little bit of like a moral compass, a little bit. Yeah, barely, yeah. Barely, but it's there. Um, the thing that he's completely lacking, she has, but she's willing to like suppress that or push that aside for her own benefit well she's more like a normal person exactly exactly. she's weighing different options and she doesn't necessarily make good choices about those options Mm -hmm. but she's she understands what she's doing in the typical human emotional way she's not relating to other people as if they were but she is still exploiting people's suffering for her own gain much like lewis is you know it's just one level up from where he is right and then you have like other characters who um you have like the I only know him from Mad Men, but the, one of the other guys in the newsroom who's who is much more like this is really messed up, right? Yeah, that guy's kind of like the conscience of the newsroom, yeah. and he's like trying to be a real reporter and mm-hmm. thinks that there's something very wrong about what they're doing. And it's nice because they throw these characters together, so you can kind of get the mm-hmm. you, you can get the spectrum of chatter yeah. in the newsroom. Well, right? and you get you know you get the detectives like the detective at the end who sees right through him and mm-hmm. knows what he is immediately, mm-hmm. right? So it's like it's you get this full spectrum of of sort of humanity. Well, not I mean, you know, maybe not a full spectrum of humanity, but like you get at least a few different perspectives. It's really cool to see the contrast, though, between Jake Gyllenhaal's character and like normal people (laughs) and the spectrum of normal people, but like normal people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'll try to point out some things about the movie that I think were absolutely spectacular. Uh, because I like obviously Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, as we already talked about, is fantastic. But I think that there's so many really amazing things that they do in this movie. Um, obviously, for starters, the screenwriting is just magnificent. I mean, it is one of the best screenplays I've ever seen. You have to remember that this is a movie that is fundamentally about someone you do not like and won't like. By by the end of the film, you don't like this character. 
the first thing he's doing is assault and robbery. Well, and and because of the performance, too, the entire time he is extremely unsettling. Like, that's, I think, the amazing thing about what Jake Gyllenhaal does is he manages to send those vibes to you. Like, I think we as humans have sensors for, like, Mm -hmm. scary people. Like, don't, this is not a good person. This is a scary person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Jake Gyllenhaal manages to capture that thing and... And, like, as a viewer, you feel that, right? Like, your body is telling you, your brain is telling you, be scared of this person. Yes. And and since, obviously, Jake Gyllenhaal is not like that in real life, that's kind of impressive that he's able to, like, make the audience think that about him. Well, you don't know. You don't know what Jake Gyllenhaal does at 3 a.m., do you? <laughs> no, I mean, but you're right. Jake Gyllenhaal, I've seen him in interviews. He's a very charming person. He hates doing the interviews. I remember that. Well, he can often get, I think he can get kind of goofy he in interviews. He gets goofy and silly. But he, no, he's not, he's a very likable like person. He's a normal person. When you interact with him, as far as I can tell. So it was just, he figured it out. But uh, what I was going to say is, on the screenwriting front, they managed to make you kind of riveted for, it's literally just a person that you really won't like from start to finish of this movie. And uh, doing... Fairly mundane stuff. He's literally just filming accident scenes. That's it. And they make it very absorbing. And they do it in such a way that they structure these scenes so that the scenes show you all of the process that the character is going through. You you get scene after wonderful scene that's just perfect for its placement in the story and for what it's showing. For example... Even just why does he do this? He like sees an accident and pulls over to the side of the road. Maybe he's just going to go check it out or, you know, do something. But then he sees the other camera people show up and like he interacts with them briefly. And of course, that interaction is really awkward because he's bad at interacting with people and all these sorts of things. You get so many scenes like that where everyone, again, I've mentioned this before, like whether it's a single duty or double duty or more film. This is one of those films that's like every scene is doing lots of stuff. It's reinforcing its character. It's letting you know what he's thinking. It's giving you information about why he's making his choices. It's pushing the plot forward. It's doing everything in every scene. It's just a masterpiece. Well, you know what else is cool is I feel like the the movie is also sort of structured in the same way that a classic That's right. like hero story would be structured. So he, you know, he starts out, he's just Got no opportunities. He's poor. He has Mm -hmm. nothing, right? And through his own gumption, you know, he has an idea and he starts making it happen. And like in any other movie with any other, with like a heroic main character, we hit all the same like beats, but they feel a little different, (laughs) right? Absolutely. Right up to him having a rival and taking him out. But it's awful, right? Right, right, Instead of it being like a triumphant moment, right? Um, Well, and it's even like... His sidekick dies at the end. That's right. But instead of being tragic, it's like... No, it's per- it's it's, <laughs> it's perfect. This is why I'm saying it is an absolute masterpiece. It's like literally like you just took a hero movie and like flipped it upside down. Yes. This is why I say like it's so amazingly well executed. You're just like, they did it perfect. They got all the things exactly right. Yeah. Now, the other thing is you can take it on another... You can... You can, in your brain, 
imagine a second layer like of social commentary that's sitting on top of this. Mm-hmm. Because you could also read this as a personification of what happened or metaphor for what happened to the news. Yeah. He's the bad thing that happened to the news. And that newsroom was the previously good newsroom. And over the course of this story, you see how the good news is forced, essentially, right? Just like he's basically sexually manipulates her in, like, the worst possible way. But it's still sort of her choice, right? Mm -hmm. And they got that personification just right because that was true. Like, the news was almost forced to do this. But not really forced, meaning it was just up to the point of being truly forced. And I love how they picked exactly the metaphors in humans that were, like, as disturbing as possible, but also that exactly mirrored what happened to an industry. I loved that. Yeah, because it's like before he comes along, they're already looking for that sensationalist stuff. But it's not until he comes around that it really takes over and kind of becomes their whole thing and i'm like i'm not i'm not sure what it says about us the not scary people who consume all this stuff it's kind of interesting like that that's the reason that that stuff sells is because people want to watch it i guess yeah i mean i don't watch it but i mean i mean but it's like if you go on if you go on the podcast you know list it's like all true crime right i mean just people like this yes i know i agree that people like it i I don't know why i'm not sure i'm not really sure what kind of I don't know that this movie actually has much commentary on that kind of thing, but it's kind of interesting. It wouldn't have happened yet by the time this movie... I mean, it sort of did, but only No, but, but I just think, I mean, you know, people like to gawk at accidents. You know what I mean? It's like there's something in, in the non-sociopath human that is still curious about this stuff, mm-hmm. um, but it takes a real dark person to be able to actually, like, capture that for for the rest of us to kind of oogle at. Well, uh... I uh, sort of tangentially to that, I really enjoyed the way that the news, the performances and what they had them do of the news anchors when she was basically telling them to say various things about the triple murder at the home. And, uh, you know, they they said it just like a news anchor says it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like and it was so believable, like you were just like, yes, that's exactly how these things play out. If you've ever seen one of these. Well, and they're manipulating their viewers. Like, he's manipulating them, but they're also manipulating their viewers. They keep saying, like, actually, crime is down. Like, we're trying to spin a story here that urban crime is slipping into the suburbs and and create this narrative that's not true. Right. But makes people afraid, makes people more likely to watch their newscast every day because they want to see what crimes have happened because they're scared. Right. It's like. People should. uh, The caveat for anyone out there who's didn't know this. This was made during a time when crime was down in mm-hmm. L.A. Obviously, that wouldn't be true today. But at the time... How, that, do you know, how do you know you're not just being fed a media narrative? How do you know? Uh, statistics. <laughs> but Murder yeah, rates. Yeah. But at that time, it was, mm-hmm. right? Because they had had like, a lot of stuff happen earlier. And they, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was at a lull at that point, which is also perhaps why the news station would naturally be in a position to not have much to show because there wasn't a lot happening mm-hmm. right at that particular time mm-hmm. that this story takes place. So uh, I'd like to mention what is probably my favorite aspect of a film in which I have many 
aspects I love. Mm-hmm. Much like you said how the screenplay hews very closely to a traditional hero narrative, which I think is absolutely brilliant because it basically takes every plot point that a hero narrative would have and turns it around. Yep. My favorite part of this movie is the music. I think the music is so, so, so good. And the reason for that is because the obvious thing to do, I probably would never have thought of this. The obvious thing to do is to sit down and score this movie as an with an unsettling score, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you would think to do if you weren't thinking very hard about it. But that is not what they did. Instead, what they did is they scored it from his perspective. So you can watch one of my favorite scenes is so twice in this he manipulates crime scene. First time yeah. he which I love that setup. The first time, it's just subtle. He just wants to put a picture that's on a fridge next to a bullet hole because he knows that'll make a better thing. Mm-hmm. You can see him have the idea, right? Because he's never actually manipulated the crime scene before because he's just starting out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ooh, you can see it on his face. If I get this idea, if I push this picture up, I can film the picture of the couple next to the bullet holes that are in their refrigerator, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, loved that and loved, again, Jake Gyllenhaal's telegraphing because he's not talking he's showing you what he's thinking the aha moment of i could i could change this crime scene so the second time he does that it's a car accident he gets there before the police and there's a body and he goes up to try and get a high angle shot because he has a ton of time so he goes runs up the cell to get a little uh high angle shot and he can't get the body because the car is blocking the car is like Mm -hmm. in the wrong place and the headlight beams are in the wrong place. And the music is like building very slowly. It's like this is like a triumphant scene for this character. It's like building. What's he going to do? And then he's like, ah, I'll move the body in front of the headlight so I get a good shot. Mm-hmm. And the music like builds to this really dramatic swell. And then you see him back on the hill shooting that that thing again and the music is very jubilant like we've succeeded like we triumphed right yeah yeah. and he holds the camera up like like john cusack and say anything holding a boombox he holds it up triumphantly to get that as high as he can and the music is so excited and the scene is he moved a body (laughs) in a crime scene it's funny because it ends up feeling way more unsettling with the music that way than it would have if you had just done unsettling music yes and this is what's so brilliant about this film it tells the story from his perspective for real the music is from his perspective the morality is from his perspective all the other characters are reacting to him from his perspective. It tells it like a hero's journey, and it's all horrible. And it's just so good. The other reason I think that's a great choice for this film is if you do think of it as a metaphor for what happened to the news, he won. Right. Not the other people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't learn his lesson. The news doesn't get better. It only gets worse, basically, from that time forward. Yeah, yeah. So it really is. It's true on every axis. It's it's true that you can believe this is one person doing this thing. Well, and it's, it's like, true on the bigger scale as a metaphor. It's just beautiful. Well, and if you think about the very end of the movie, right, where it's like he's got three interns now and That's two right. vans, and it's like, look at yep. the success. Yep. Look at what he's. And it's just, it's so dark. And that last line is so good. I would never, 
ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. So brilliant, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Because what's that? I mean, we don't. There's no. We don't know what what we would well, do. Well, and also right? we, we there's did, nothing in that well, category. But also we did just see him ask his last intern to do something that he wouldn't do himself, which is get a shot of the shooter. Yes. While getting shot, so it's like. He will ask you, he will ask you, it's a lie, like he will totally ask you to do stuff that he wouldn't do, Well, maybe. but he will sacrifice you. He will sacrifice you to get the shot if he yeah. has to, right? Yeah. I don't um, know. He might have been willing to do that himself. He did that because no, he, he wanted his guy to get shot. He wanted his guy to get shot, but he also probably wanted the shot. I'm just saying, I think he would have been, would have tried to get that shot, but he, he the only reason he asked that guy to do that was not because he wouldn't do it. It's because he wanted him to die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very dark. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I just love this film. There's nothing really... Uh, I have, like, almost no nitpicks. Really? I mean, it's almost impossible to find something I don't like in this movie. Uh, the one thing I could think of was that, like, uh, it was a pretty big risk having that guy... At the thing we just talked about, having mm-hmm. his partner do that shot, because what if he didn't die from the gunshot wounds? then he's in real trouble. So that was very risky, but maybe you could believe that he was willing to take that risk. I don't know. But that was... He could, well, he, he might have been willing to finish him off or something. Maybe he would have, right? Uh, so it's really hard to say. But other than that, I mean, it's just flawless. I mean, everything is great. I love how they gave the character uh, this sort of uh, personality aspect or quirk or whatever you want to call it where he says things sort of semi-verbatim mm-hmm. that he's read online. He c- keeps saying that these things about, like, m- things he learned about making a business plan mm-hmm. or managerial advice or whatever. And when he, like, it, it, it just fits the character so well. Yeah. Because you know he doesn't have empathy or the, the fundamental tools to interact with another human in a normal way. So his quote-unquote employee, he talks to them like he read like a Fortune 500 like management manual. Yeah, he just says right? all the stuff that you're supposed to say, I guess. The right. kind of cliched things that an employer might say to an employee. Don't come up with a problem. Come up to me with a solution or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. There are all these like little things that are platitudes that are in those like managerial right, because he books, doesn't have right? any natural instinct for what you would actually say. So exactly. he'll just use those things. He assumes that what he reads is mm-hmm. how he should behave because he doesn't have any intuition for it, right? Mm-hmm. And again, this is so brilliant on multiple levels. I don't even know if they mean to do this. I really don't. They might have not been trying anything fancy, but they accidentally – I think we've talked about this before. I, I don't know if it was in the context of Mulholland Drive or what exactly we're talking about. But it was basically the fact that if you do a good enough job – accidents start working for you right because the viewer will fill in the gaps and turn the accident into something more profound than you ever thought of when you did it because you did such a good job having everything else work well it gives them places to slot in stuff you didn't even think of Mm -hmm. which makes the thing even better Mm -hmm. right whereas the opposite is true if you do a bad job then accidents are just look like accidents they just look like mistakes cuz that's what they are mm-hmm. and the whole thing is kind of a mistake so there's no way for the viewer to kind of like extrapolate and make more of the film than what you were making so in this film they get that in spades because again if you think of this as a metaphor he's saying the sorts of things that business people who just don't care about the consequences of their industry say yeah right it is that sort of like trite dehumanizing thing 
And so it fits perfectly with a metaphor. If your brain wants to go there, it goes there with you. Just eat trivially, right? Yeah, it was and like I really said, that thing like that. of like, you're not actually viewing your employees as a person. They're right. literally just something you can manipulate. And you use these platitudes, these sayings to like most effectively manipulate your employees. <laughs> That's right. This is the second time I saw the movie. I think the first time I saw it, you mentioned the music. I think that actually threw me off a little bit on the first viewing of this. I could see that. Um, because, you know, music is really a huge tool for a filmmaker, right? It cues in the viewer to, like, feel things that the story might not be giving them. We see this a lot with movies that aren't, you know, maybe have a weak script but have a great score and that can carry a lot of the movie. Um, and so in this case, it is jarring. It is jarring to hear more of a, like a wistful or hopeful or triumphant score put against these very, very fucked up things. And uh, I think, I, I do think that kind of threw me off on the first viewing. Mm. On the second viewing where I kind of knew that was what it was doing, it felt a lot better. Like, because I understood. But I, I do think... On a first viewing, to somebody who's never seen the movie, doesn't really know anything about it, I think it can come across as a little bit jarring. I could see that. I could see that. Because it's I didn't very have unusual. Per- I it's personally very- didn't have that experience, but I could totally see that happening. It's because it's very unusual. Yes. I mean, the whole thing is unusual in that way. Because I think if you're watching this movie for the first time, I don't remember. I mean, I've seen it three times now. But I think you're going to be expecting... Because you're used to this sort of thing. You're going to be expecting him to, like, learn his lesson or turn over a new leaf or something, right? Because he's the protagonist. Protagonists are not supposed to be so bad. But he never does. So I think there's a lot of things that you're expecting. Like, you're expecting the music to go a particular way. You're expecting him to have some kind of redemption or something. And none of it ever happens. They're like, no, we're Mm -hmm. playing this straight. Mm -hmm. And I do think that probably is you know pretty jarring which i think is great uh, but that's yeah, because, what it is because the movie is is specifically playing with like hero story tropes mm-hmm. uh it's it's your it's not what your brain has been trained to expect uh but i didn't you know watching it the second time it i did not feel at, at all that way i did not feel like anything was jarring or out of place it all felt very good very intentional like yeah um so, uh, yeah, I think it, it, there's certain things that on an initial viewing might catch you a little off guard. But once you're kind of prepared for it, yeah, it all works really, really well. So, I mean, that's that's Nightcrawler. I'm trying to think if there are any uh, things that I wanted to highlight in particular. I feel like the plant was interesting. He's always watering his plant. Probably because he read that's how you take care of a plant, right? Um yeah. And uh I also like the fact that they did the montages with um so there are there are montages. Mm-hmm. And again, they are shot and scored mm-hmm. exactly as if they were positive things happening yeah. to a hero. Yeah. Advancing their path through heroism. But every single thing in each montage is horrific, right? It's very bad. <laughs> And so, again, I just loved how much they turned all that stuff on their head and just be like, we're doing it straight. We're playing it 100% straight. There's no winks, no nods to the audience, Mm -hmm. none of it. It's like we're telling this person's story from their perspective, and you know that that person thinks of themselves as a hero. So they're telling his story for real, Mm -hmm. right? 
And again, I just absolutely love that. It's so unique and original. I I just never see that. And it's never done this well. Yep. Um, In this month, it's going to be interesting to to think of the other movies compared to this one. I mean, yeah, and none of them, I can just spoil a warning, none of them do this. They don't take this perspective. There are some great films, Taxi Driver and Heather's, love both of those films they just they're not this kind of thing yeah they're different they're definitely different um but in any case i feel like for me the big standout thing is jake gyllenhaal's performance absolutely i think this movie with a different actor hard to say hard to say if it would be as effective because i think the thing that sells it is that you 100 percent believe that this guy is a sociopath he mm-hmm. feels like that to the viewer. Like he sets off all of the the like alarms and warning bells in your head that this is not a this is not a person that you can can trust. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you can, yeah. I mean, there's just so many great scenes when he's like talking to people in the newsroom, and when he's like, whenever he's interacting with Rene Russo's character, there's this feeling of danger all the time. Like in any situation he's yes. in. There's, like, this sinister feeling. It's very unsettling. You're yeah. just, like, you don't know what he's going to do. Like, there's a right? there's a, there's a shot where he, like, sits down at the anchor chair, mm-hmm. in the anchor chair, and he, like, looks at the camera, and, like, just the eyes on the sky are so, like, it's so unsettling. It's very good. I do think the supporting cast was fantastic as well. Everybody's great, yeah. Um, like you said, the guy from The Office's name I don't know was good, of Not course. The, uh, the, the guy from... I'm oh, sorry, sorry, the, the, the guy from, guy from, from Mad, Mad Men. Men. Uh, it was very good. Uh, but uh, Rene Russo is fantastic, and I don't know the name of the sidekick. He was great. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, I liked Bill Paxton, who I don't normally like, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, the detective lady. I've seen her. In, where did we see her before? I think we have. Yes, we have seen the detective lady, and I cannot remember where. I've seen her in something. She was good as well. Yep. Uh, yep. And, you know... Just again, it's I also can't... A, it's also a good looking movie. I mean, it's it shot is. almost entirely at night, mm-hmm. and that's uh, the name. Yes, but I think they do a really nice job. Uh, I mean, it's not. I, I don't think it's the sort of like directing or filmmaking where you're like, oh my god, this is the most amazing looking thing ever. But it looks good. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a visually striking film. Like you're mm-hmm. never going like, oh my god, that looks amazing. Um, but it is a film that never lets that get in the way. So it's it's 100% competently directed from start to finish. All the shots feel nice and smooth. You're never like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, you're it's never, all very you're never confused. I mean, and we do have some action scenes like we car do. chases and stuff. Um, and all of that's directed really well. Like, it's, it's, right. it's the kind of directing that I think is the kind of directing you don't notice, but in the best possible way. Because mm-hmm. it's just doing exactly what it needs to do it's not being flashy but you're never confused you always understand what's going on and it's you don't really pay attention to it well and you also there are no mistakes of the kind that you see like that we have complained about for example in a christopher nolan film Mm -hmm. so there are plenty of scenes in this where it's important that you know where things are yes during the triple murder scene when he's going into the house and the different places there or when he's moving the body at the car yeah, crash. Or like the, the whole scene at the Chinese takeout place. The whole scene of the Chinese takeout, where are the people in here? Where are they relative to them and so on? It's really easy to forget how quickly something like that can get very muddled in a viewer's head if you don't shoot it exactly right. Exactly, yep. And you see that, again, with the Christopher Nolan films where you're just like, this is a beautiful-looking movie. I have no idea where anything is. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. And you, you see that very quickly if you're not paying careful attention to like make sure you bring the audience along with the edit that 
you know, you can get lost really quickly. And this is a, a great example of a movie where you always know where everything is and the relationship between all the elements yep. is exactly right the whole time. You never notice. Uh, so I, I loved that, too, because there were some things like that body moving scene. It's critical to the plot of that scene and mm-hmm. what's happening to the character at that time and all mm-hmm. those things that you understand what happened there. Yep. Is not a given. Like, in in the hands of someone who doesn't think it through, those kinds of shots get muddled very quickly. It's it's really shocking sometimes just how yeah. confusing it can get. But because you're just looking through just this lens of a camera, you forget that it's you have no spatial awareness and the audience doesn't. So you kind of really have to be careful. Yeah, and I really like – I feel like the, the scene at the Chinese restaurant is, is mm-hmm. really, really well done because you always understand exactly what the stakes are and what's happening and – uh, and it's shot from mostly like across the street from their vantage point, right? Like kind of reinforcing the the idea that we're coming from this. We're watching the perspective of the main character, right? Like it's never you don't see a shot from inside. That's right. The restaurant, right? Everything you're seeing is from out on the street through the windows, right? Yep. Um, like what he's seeing. It's also really it's it's also really nice how it lets everything really play out. It builds up that tension and the suspense. It's just I I feel like that's one of the best scenes in the movie. It's so intense. It's yes. really really just riveting. No, it, it's amazing. And it ends with, you know, him setting up his partner to get shot. Mm-hmm. And again, they play it exactly like a heroic film. His partner's on the ground dying and has the last like gasping words. But what does he say to his partner? He just explains rationally why he had to kill him yeah it's so brilliant right because it's like he doesn't there's no emotion in it it's not he doesn't do the thing any there's nothing Mm -hmm. it's not even like gloating no it's like it's it's, he's his character the whole time it's just like it is what the sociopathic protagonist would do and he does it and again, exactly mirroring what would happen in a heroic film where you would have had an emotional tear-jerking moment there. And yep. here is just horrific. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's... Absolutely fantastic. It's brilliant. I don't know how else to describe the writing in this in this movie and, of course, everything else. The fact that they brought that writing to life in an absolutely amazing way. It's just brilliant. Absolutely yeah, brilliant it all, It's a movie where everything came together. The acting, yeah. the script, the directing, the music. Like, it, it all came together to make this really unique movie is there anything else i don't think so pretty much all of the other things that you can point out of this movie and there are many are along those lines right they basically follow that pattern um like how he talks to the detective Mm -hmm. and so on uh but you know they're all more or less that way and i can't think of any other like aspect we didn't talk about yeah i don't know i'm not coming up with anything well, maybe that's it. I think that's I it. I think we always we always tend we always tend to talk for less time when it's a good movie that we both like. There's just, you know, you just it's good. <laughs> it's just Yeah, I mean because a good movie d- there are no seams, right? A bad movie there's all these seams. You could talk about every single one of them. You're like, "Well, this was a problem because this and this was a problem because this." This this movie's like perfectly seamless from start to finish. It just flows exactly the way it should. And so all you could really do is point out the larger scale things they did right, but there is no individual real things to focus on because mm-hmm. they flow perfectly together, you know? There aren't these speed bumps in the road to mention. Yeah. It's just a beautiful road that takes you right where you're going. <laughs> yep. um, so, you know. 
So I think that's it. That's our first movie down for Unlikable Main Characters Month. Mm-hmm. Next week is going to be a classic, Taxi Driver. I also love Taxi Driver. Yeah, Taxi Driver is pretty intense. This is going to be a pretty intense month. <laughs> I got to say that's probably also my my favorite Martin Scorsese film. Mm, yeah. Like like by far. Because yeah. I, I don't dislike Martin Scorsese. I like movies that I've seen by him. But for some reason, they don't stick with me. They don't stand out. Um, and Taxi Driver is just really unusual. I mean, I think Taxi Driver is going to be one of the sort of like quintessential unlikable main character movies. It's it's something that people reference a lot now when making unlikable main characters. Like people like talked about it a lot when Joker came out and, yeah, and stuff. And like that. you can see a lot of yeah. Taxi Driver in Joker. It feels so anyway, like that. Yeah. Let's not talk too much okay. about Taxi Driver because that's next week. But anyway, uh, we hope to see you there. And uh, if you know if you've enjoyed this free episode for people who aren't subscribed and you want to hear a Taxi Driver episode. Consider subscribing. You could consider subscribing. Where can they do that, Anna Repberg? At Molly Wow. At MollyMovieClub.com. Am I a great salesperson or what? No. We're not putting you in charge of the sales department. All right. That's it. That's final. Do you want to do it? No, not really. Okay. (laughs) Subscribe, don't, whatever. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll see you here next week or not. Or not. Uh, See you next month. Otherwise. thank, Thank you for listening. And take it easy. Bye.